and I went up to tell him how much I appreciated what he had to say and asked him where he was pastoring. And when he said Parkwood, I was so pleased. I was just so pleased. He asked me if I was coming today, and I said, yes, I was. So I, I came from an invitation of your pastor as well as from Norma and others. <clears throat> Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Deuteronomy 3, 32, 7. Remember all the way the Lord thy God has led thee. Come before the presence, his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and be thankful and bless his name. And that's why we're here this morning, isn't it? We will be sharing memories of the past and looking with confidence toward the future. So many memories come to mind when we come here into this sanctuary. I just want to welcome each one who has come from far and near. It's good to be here on this high Sabbath, and I'm sure the ladies have been busy preparing food, and we're eager to eat together and share how God is blessed. My husband and I were in Parkwood from 1976 to 1984, and I was, we were here when they moved the bell from the old Salida Church, so you know that's been a while. He was the pastor, and I was the registrar at Modesto Adventist Academy. And we felt what a gift it was to be asked to come to this beautiful church. We had previously been in the Bay Area, and we came in here and saw this lovely church, and, we, and the church family. It's not just the building, but it's the people that we have just learned to love. The longtime members will remember that when we arrived, the conference van was unloading our things in Bellman Hall. Now, if you can imagine, we had, we had talked to the builder, and they assured us that everything would be fine, and we went to camp meeting. And after camp meeting, we came home and loaded the truck, and we were coming here. And um, when we got here and went to our house, we realized that it wasn't ready to move into. We came up to the church, and they were unloading our things in Bellman Hall. And so our job was to make the boxes into rooms and to settle in, and we were actually here for six weeks. I canned peaches in the kitchen. We, we just got acquainted with you in, in a very intimate situation from the beginning. Yeah, you remember. <laughs> our daughter Joan was married in this church, uh, and you probably remember Norma Bailey decorated, and she, she still is doing it. I, I, I love her. God has been with her. He, she gave Joni the shower and did the reception. You know, I started, I, I started making a list, and then I realized that I could not do that because there's just too many. Harvey prayed for us till the day he died by name. And I, I, that was a, a blessed to, blessing to my heart. Bob and Donna Perry were with us when we were in the San Francisco hospital with my husband. 
and they told him they had, he had E. coli in his um, Wait a minute, I better get to my words here. <laughs> Spinal column. Now, those of you who are medical, and maybe if you aren't, you can know that that was very serious. But God raised him up, and he continued to pastor. Um, my husband passed away four years ago, and the, this text has been such a blessing to me. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we forget the way the Lord has led us in the past. Another promise, being confident, and I'd like you folks to think of this personally, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Um, that text has been especially meaningful to me. I think of that, I know that God has started a good work and he has promised to finish it. And this isn't just for me, it's for each one of you who are here. If God has started a good work in you, he will finish it and remember that each one of you that is here has been prayed for. And so, I just pray that this day will be a blessing as we visit, as we eat, as we spend time together. May, may Jesus be special to each of us. And I welcome you. I'm glad you're all here. It's wonderful to stand up here and see so many of you that I know and many of you that I don't know, but the church is comfortably filled, and I thank God. Have a good Sabbath. A dedicated group of Seventh-day Adventist families living in Southern California were impressed from their study of the writings of Ellen G. White that they should leave the cities and move to the country. George Wisner, th those of you who knew Forrest Wisner, George Wisner was his father, took a trip to the Modesto area to check the possibilities for work and homes as well as a church and school. He talked to a real estate man who said if he could get 10 families to move here and buy land, then he would give them land for a church and school. He returned home, he talked to his relatives and to the different families, and he managed to get 22 families to, to move up here. And they packed all their belongings, they put them in a box car and a train, and also their livestock, and they all moved up here and purchased land around Salida. To have a place to worship, they rented the Old Brethren Church. On January 21, 1911, the small group recently arrived members met in their rented quarters and organized themselves into the Salida Church. At a church picnic held in 1912, the members decided to build a church of their own on the one acre of land that was donated to them. During the construction, the walls started to fall apart. Mr. Birdwell, a carpenter, took the, uh, two rods and had a turnbuckle, and he put them on those walls, and they turned it till they had the walls straight. And those, that rod is still there, and those walls are still standing. <laughs> it's it's uh, evident they didn't have the, all the building codes and stuff that they had now. <laughs> 
They bought a small building from the Stanislaus School, moved it to the church property on the skids behind a team of horses, and placed it beside the church for the school. The school opened in the fall of 1912 with 18 students. Many of the students from the school went out as missionaries, doctors, nurses, teachers, and dedicated Christian laymen. The schoolroom that was used during the week were also used for Sabbath for our classrooms. By December 28, 1912, the, the church was ready to have its first service. It was dedicated on April 27, 1913. The membership count was 70. They gave sacrificially to build their church at a cost of $1,535. About 1920, Louise Wisner purchased a bell for the church at a cost of $25. It was hung in the belfry and rang out every Sabbath for 44 years for everyone in the neighborhood to hear and know that it was almost time for services. I remembered uh, what Urban was talking about, that great big rope that they would pull and ring the bell and would let us know that it was time to come from our classrooms over into the church. For over 40 years, the church didn't have a pastor of its own. In October 1955, Elder Vernon Bliss became the first full-time pastor of the old Salida Church. He served until September 1959. During the years, the congregation continued to grow. By 1965, a decision was needed concerning a larger church home as the present one was becoming quite crowded. They tried to purchase some land uh, by the church, but without success. So they had to look for elsewhere. One of the members, uh, Urban Bellman, had said he knew of some land on Claritina. There were seven acres, and uh, he'd like to see the church built there. And if uh, we were interested, he would buy the land and donate it to the church. And of course, everybody said, oh, yes. The, um, the Salada Church uh, building was stole and then rented back during the period of construction of the new church. However, the old bell was reserved in the sale, lowered out of the belfry and taken to Forrest Wisner's barn until a new location was readied for it. It stayed in the barn for 14 years. The church could no longer appropriately be called Salida and a new name needed to be chosen. Many possibilities were suggested but when Mrs. Ladine Messer suggested Parkwood, everyone liked it. So the new church became Modesto Parkwood. And the reason for that is that one of the members in the central church had a nursery at that time, and he said he would like to donate 24 redwood trees, and they would go to the back of the land and then down the side. But it was just almost impossible to get as much water to those trees as they needed and they eventually died, and they were thinking, now if we have those nice trees, we could make it look like a park back there, and it'd be great. But the park kind of died with the trees. But Parkwood is still growing. The first phase of the building project of the classrooms uh, and Bellman Hall were uh, first. And we, we had, somebody asked me the other day, how come you call the social hall Bellman Hall? So I explained it to them that we call it Bellum Hall because we, it is an honor of Mr. Bellman for, for the land. 
The first service in Belmont Hall was held in January 14, 1967 by Elder Anderson, who continued to serve the congregation until the retirement in June 1969. The next pastor was Elder Winston Dennis, who had a background of building experience. Already the members were looking ahead to erect their new sanctuary. Elder Dennis held the first service in the new sanctuary on March 8, 1975. And I would like to mention at this time that uh, Irvin Beasley and his wife made the chandeliers on their dining room table and held them. They were first hung in the Belvin Hall, and then when the sanctuary was ready, we hung them over there. And also, he and his father-in-law, Everett Messer, uh, built this beautiful uh, waterfall that we enjoy each year, each week. On April 29, 1978, the 65th anniversary of the dedication of the Salida Church, a memorial service was held in the old church building. Following the meeting, the old bell was transported to the narthex of the new church, leading a caravan of vintage automobiles carrying longtime members. Elder and Mrs. Bliss, now remember he was the first pastor of the Salida Church, uh, was uh, were present for the occasion, and Elder Bliss helped untie the bell to take it off the truck. Also, Parkwood Church was dedicated that day. Mr. Reese, father of Aletha Wisner, had left a trust to the church, which was used to erect a tower to house the old bell. A 53-foot tower was erected for the bell. Two smaller bells were also added to make the structure more symmetrical in appearance, but only the old church bell would be rung, swung by remote control. On March 25, 1979, it was installed in the tower. In April 28, 1979, the bell was officially rung for the first time in its new home. Harvey Bailey served as chairman of the building committee during the entire period of time. Elder Dennis served as pastor through April 1976. God has truly blessed us here at Parkwood with a rich history. I know that he has a great future in store for us. Our Parkwood Seventh-day Adventist Church exists to provide a place in the Modesto community that demonstrates God's loving character through worship, nurture, and service in the anticipation of Christ's soon return. And we're very fortunate today. We have all the pastors that have served, from, uh, except two, uh, from the Salida Church to the present, either here or represented by a family member, and Elder Schooley will uh, introduce you to them later in the service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Let us pray. God of heaven, Lord of all creation, and lover of our souls, we glorify you as the giver of all good things, past, present, and future. 
And so today, as we celebrate your great faithfulness over the last 100 years plus, please, today, deepen our trust in you. Please, today, broaden our love for you. Please, today, strengthen our hope in you. We pray this in Christ's saving and precious name. Let the family say, Amen. We'd like to bring our former pastors and their representatives up. And we're going to have to do it quickly because uh, they only gave me seven minutes. <laughs> and um, that isn't very long. In fact, I just started my stopwatch. So, um, as we heard from uh, Norma, the first pastor, that uh, full-time pastor that the Salida Church had was um, Elder Vernon Bliss. And Elder Bliss is represented by his daughter, Lorraine Pfeiffer. We're happy to have, she's here. And Jerry, you want to stand? Her husband, let you know that they're here. We appreciate them coming. Now, Elder Bliss was, and we're going to have to hold applause until the end. Elder Bliss was uh, followed by Elder Charles Lickey. From 1959 to 1963, Elder uh, Victor Anderson followed him from 1963 to 1968. And it was during that time you learned that Bellman Hall, this property was purchased, Bellman Hall was built, and the Sabbath School. Now, they're the only two ministers that we don't have represented here because the, the committee was not able to find anyone of the family to be here with them. Uh, Elder Anderson was followed by Elder Winston Dennis. And Elder Dennis is represented by his son, uh, Larry, uh, Jerry, rather. And uh, Judy, we want you to stand. Where is Judy? There, his wife. Now, it was during Elder Dennis's time that this beautiful sanctuary was built. Elder Dennis was followed by Elder Frank McMurray. And as uh, Jeannie mentioned, she is here. She gave the welcome. It was during his time that the mortgage was paid off and this beautiful sanctuary was dedicated debt-free. Elder McMurray served until 18, uh, 1984. <laughs> I'm dating him. <laughs> Jeannie told me that she just had a birthday a couple days ago, and I, a couple weeks ago, and I said, oh, you were 62. And she says, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> In 1984, uh, Eva Lou and I had the opportunity of becoming the pastoral team here. During that time, I had a privilege that I don't think any of the other pastors in Parkwood had. I had the privilege of having three young men come right out of college to begin their internship and their ministry. And I had the opportunity of mentoring those and introducing them to ministry. The first one was uh, Marlon Knittel. Marlon wanted to be here with his, and, and I wanted him to be here because I wanted to introduce his wife. We know how long we waited for that in order to get married. <laughs> and I wanted to introduce Sylvia to you. 
but they weren't able to come. But in 84, Bob Mason came, and we had a good time. And Bob and Stephanie, you want to stand? Now, when Bob left in 86, he took one of our members with him. <laughs> he met Stephanie Kish, and uh, about, what, a month before you left, Bob? I was able to, I had the ceremony for them, and what a privilege. Four days. Well, I got it. I made it legal for you to take her, though. <laughs> Bob was followed in 87 by Jerry uh, Nelson. Jerry, did you get here? He was, I talked with him two weeks ago, and he had a complication, but he was hoping to work it out. But apparently, they didn't get here. Jerry made quite an impression on our youth. And Jerry and his wife, Vicki, and by the way, Bob is pastoring at the McKinneyville Church in Northern California, soon to become the senior pastor at English Oaks in Lodi. And Jerry is pastoring at the Aurora Grande Church. I actually retired in 92. But I stayed on until 93 because they hadn't appointed a, a minister. And finally in uh, 93, Elder James Gleason and, and Jeannie came. And Jeannie, you want to stand? And by the way, I want to have my wife stand. Yeah. Yeah. Eva Lou has been an extreme, extremely important part of my ministry. After I returned from a 10-month interim in Merced, while they were waiting for a pastor, uh, I was invited to assist Elder Gleason. He was a great pastor. He, he sat me down and he said, uh, we're going to share responsibilities. And I said, and what does that mean? And he says, he says, well, I'm going to have all the weddings and you're going to have all the funerals. <laughs> well, Elder Gleason retired to his farm, he and Jeannie, in 2001. That left the church without a pastor for almost a year until Pastor Ron Rasmussen and Marla came. Marla, would you stand? And they gave strong leadership until February of 2011 when uh, he bolted Parkwood for the um, executive secretary of the, of the Central California Conference. The church was beginning to struggle and they reached down into the bottom of the barrel <laughs> and Evelyn and I accepted a three-month interim. And on January 1 of 2013, we ended that three months <laughs> when our present pastor, Pastor Godfrey Miranda and Debbie, Debbie, where are you? I want you to stand there. They have um, been strong leadership. 
They have captured the heart of the, of the Parkwood people. And this church is growing both spiritually and physically. God has been good. This is a great church, and God is blessing it. Thank you very much. Half of the Central California Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, I want to thank you for your ministry through the years, your prayers for God's work in this area, for your tithes, your offerings. You make a positive difference for God's kingdom. You think of the pastoral families that you have helped support, that you have loved and are loving, the various teachers, the um, missionaries that have gone out from this congregation, and uh, just want to thank you in behalf of the conference for your continued prayers, not just what God has done in the past, but what God is wanting to do in the present and in the future for his kingdom in this, in this community. Our scripture reading is found in Peter's first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And the word of the Lord says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His great mercy, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I invite you to kneel for prayer. Our prayer today is one that is adapted from a prayer that our Adventist pastor, who also serves as the United States Senate chaplain, Pastor Barry Black, gave for the 150th anniversary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was held earlier uh, this year. So I invite you to kneel, and I will read this adapted prayer for us. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, author and finisher of our faith, you have been our hope in ages past and our hope for years to come. Thank you for this opportunity to commemorate the 100th anniversary of this church, first located in Salida and now here in Modesto. Lord, for a century you have used this church to bring deliverance to captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to free those who suffer. Forgive us for the chapters in our history when we were missing in action and unavailable to help the lost, the lonely, and the least. Lord, forgive us for being silent when we should have spoken and for speaking when we should have been silent. Forgive us, O God, 
for our sins of commission and omission. We claim your promise in 1 John 1.9 that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiving power. Continue to challenge us as a church when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams came true because they were too small, when we arrived safely simply because we sailed too close to the shore. We recommit ourselves today to accomplish your great mission. We recommit ourselves to Calvary and the blood that sets us free. We recommit ourselves today, O God, to bring your love to all who need encouragement, to all who lack food and clothing, to all who are cold and cheerless, to all who are sick and shut in, to all who are enslaved, and to all who long for home and friendship. We recommit ourselves today to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your majesty, where losing sight of land we will find your stars. O God of ages past, push back the horizon of our hopes and lead us into a future fueled by faith, focus, and fortitude. And hasten the day when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ rise. Then may those of us who are still alive and remaining be caught up to meet our blessed Savior in the air, and to live with him throughout the ceaseless cycles of eternity. Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. We pray this prayer in the majestic name of our soon coming Savior and King. Amen. It's now, give, now it's now our opportunity to give back to the, this church and our church family uh, our tithes and our offerings. This is a privilege to do, not a duty. It is a duty, but we want to give cheerfully. So could the ushers please stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for your guidance through these years and for this great experience of our 100th anniversary of our Slida Parkwood Church. Lord, you have blessed in so many ways and we can ask for your continued blessings because you promised them. Lord, we give ourselves to you again as our primary gift, but be with the gift and the givers as they return to you both tithes and offerings. And I bless, I ask that you'll bless this church as it progresses and, and moves on. It has a wonderful spirit and I, I appreciate being here again. Thank you for your glory and your blessings and the gift of Jesus who saved us. In Jesus' name, amen has begun. How many of you have started school? All right, lots of hands of boys and girls have started school. Any grown-ups out there started school? Yeah, there's a few out here. Oh, yes, yes. All right. Can you put that in there and then we'll begin our story? Great. Okay, thank you. And have a seat. 
right there. It was the first day of school, and Mitch and Max were walking down the road to school. Now, Max was a big fifth grader, which he was a man, he was about 10 years old, and little Mitch was starting kindergarten at five. As Max and Mitch started down the road, have a seat right there. As they started down the road on their way to school, Max turned around and said, Mitch, keep up. Come on, Mitch, hurry up. Down the road they walked. Mitch held out his hand to Max to hold it, but Max just turned and walked on. So little Mitch, with his backpack on his back, followed behind his big brother all the way to the end of the street, right where the school was. When they got to the roadway, they could see the big trucks going by, and the cars going by, and the motorcycles going by. And as they went closer to the sidewalk and got right to the edge, they saw a lady come out with a big stop sign. She was the crossing guard lady, and she came out and she put that big stop sign out in front, and you know what happened to the trucks and the cars and the motorcycles? Everybody stopped. And when they stopped, all the children crossed over and went to the school. Now, and when they got to the gate right next to the school sidewalk, Max turned around to little Mitch and said, you see that gate? And Mitch shook his head. Well, said Max, right here is where I want to see you after school. You stay by this place right here, and then I'll come and get you. All right? Mitch shook his head up and down. I'll be here, said Max, but you have to wait right here by the gate. Little Mitch started to get a little tear in his eye. This was his first day, and he was a little bit scared, but Max smiled at him and said, come on now, patting his head. He took him to his classroom. Well, the day went great for Mitch. It was a wonderful day at kindergarten. There were things to paint. There were colors to learn about. There were shapes, and there were letters, and there were music time and games to play. It was a great day. And at the end of the day, he put all his papers into his backpack, put his backpack on his back, and he was ready to go home and share about his wonderful day at school. And as he came out the door, he looked as the bell rang, and all the people Lots of people. There were moms there. There were dads there. There were grandmas there. There were grandpas there. There were boys and girls of all sizes. And he couldn't believe all these people. And he looked for the gate. And he looked for his brother. Where was it? Oh, yes, there it is. And he ran as quick as he could and stood next to the gate, waiting, waiting. He grabbed a hold of it and held on, and he waited. Any moment, any moment, Max would be here for him. And he waited with bright eyes, and he waited. And grandmas came and took their children, and grandpas came and took their children, and moms came and took their children, and big brothers came and took little brothers and sisters, and big sisters came and took little brothers and sisters, and pretty soon, Mitch was all by himself at the gate. Everybody was gone. He was all alone. Where's Max, he thought. And he held on to that gate. And he looked at the playground. There was somebody playing basketball. Was that Max? No. There were some people talking underneath the tree. Was that Max? No. 
And he held on to the gate. And he held on to the gate. He's going to come. He said he would come. He told me to wait right here. I'm going to wait here. He's going to come. And he stood next to the gate. Then he heard some talking. He turned his head. And there at the classroom were some teachers. And they were talking about their day and smiling and laughing. But no Max. Oh, what am I going to do, thought Mitch. He's supposed to come and be right. He will come. He said he will, he said to himself. He will come. He said he was going to come. I know he is. I know he's coming. I will wait. I will wait. And then he turned around and looked down the road. There were the cars going by, brum, 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 and the big trucks, brum, 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 and the motorcycle, brum, and he saw beyond them, way down there, was his house, the yellow house. That's my house, and my brother's going to come and get me, and he's going to take me home, he thought to himself. Wait, there's something in front of my house. Look, it's... It's my brother. He's, he's on his scooter. That's my brother. Why, he, he, he forgot me. And Mitch began to cry. What could he do? Oh, he had an idea. He would just go home. So he walked around the gate. And he stepped over to the sidewalk by the street, and he stopped. All those cars were there. All those trucks and motorcycles. And the crossing guard with the big stop sign had already left. Then he remembered what had his brother said. Wait by the gate. And he closed his eyes and he said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. And the voice came again, wait by the gate. Yes, he's down there, but I'm going to wait by the gate. And he held on to the gate and he looked at the boys playing basketball and he set his mind on waiting and he said, Someday I'm going to play basketball like those big boys. And as he was watching the boys playing basketball, he heard, There's my little brother! And he turned, and there was Max. Hey, little brother! Mitch started crying as soon as he saw him. <laughs> and Max put his arm around him. Hey, I'm sorry, guy. I really am. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't used to the idea that I had such a big brother as you. Come on, he said. And this time, when Mitch held out his hand, Max took it. And together, they walked home. You can go back to your seats. Now that's energy, isn't it? I don't know if I can follow that. Uh, if you'd indulge me for just a moment, since I do have the microphone, um, I guess there's not a whole lot you can do, is there? 
I love this church. And not only did my dad pastor in this church, but I married into the church because my wife, Judy, is a Brizendine and uh, her mom is a Bailey. So I have friends uh, and family at this church and we love to come back when we can. I see faces that I haven't seen for a while and um, some with different color hair, some with no hair. And it's just nice to see people that I remember from years back. Um, Judy and I live not far away, we're just up the hill towards Lake Tahoe, so we do um, get to come back occasionally and uh, visit with family and friends. The pastor's uh, topic today is, as we all know, the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the second coming. And of course, we as Adventists keep that central and focused in our lives and in our hearts. And the song that I'd like to bring for you today is a song about Jesus Christ. And uh, the title of the song is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It's a song that is not old, it's about 10 years old. And um, it's one that I felt was appropriate because we want to always raise up Jesus and have him be the focus, not only of our lives and our, our daily lives, but also every Sabbath that we get together. You remember the words that Paul uh, spoke to or wrote to the Galatians when he said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm so happy that um, one of my friends from years ago is, was going to be here today to um, help with the service, and Margie has played for me at uh, a number of occasions, clear back into the 60s, I think, and the 70s, and uh, so she said that she would be willing to play for me. We only had just a couple of moments to practice together, but because uh, she is so accomplished, she'll stay with me and cover my mistakes. All right, Marge, I need that note. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one, Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, 
my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. But this I know with all my heart, his death has paid my ransom. So...